listening to Dental Student Vibes, where it's all about the good vibes. Today we have on Dr. Paul Etchison. This is part two of our interview with him. Dr. Paul Etchison is a practicing dentist in a south suburb of Chicago called New Lenox. He is the author of Dental Practice Hero, From Ordinary Practice to Extraordinary Experience. He is the host of the Dental Practice Heroes podcast. Recently, along with Dr. Justin Bular, Dr. Edgerson founded Dental Business Mentor, an online curriculum teaching all things dental business, as well as systems used in his practice. He currently practices only six days per month and enjoys 12 weeks off per year. Dr. Edgerson is married and has two daughters, Briella and Alyssa. So if you haven't listened to part one of our interview, go back, listen to that. It'll make a lot more sense. And as always, hit that subscribe button, share this interview with one of your friends, and hit that follow button on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Hope you guys enjoy. How do you really go about hiring? Um, how do you manage all of that so that you find yeah. the best assistants, the best hygienists? So I, I hire outgoing people that are personable and that smile a lot. That's all I care about. You know, I want I want you to have some dental experience, but I just want you to be somebody that I enjoy talking to. Because if I enjoy talking to you, then the patients will enjoy talking to you. Everybody's happy. We'll work together well. Um, I have 26 or 27 employees, and I have had the same people since I've opened my doors seven and a half years ago. I've never lost a single person. And it's just we're we're a family. We're a great team. We communicate well. We get along well. People come into the practice. They say it's palpable. You can feel the energy. You can feel the culture. And that is just because I've hired outgoing, enthusiastic people. And we we communicate a lot. And we talk about things if they're unhappy. Or we talk about how we can be better. And we just got, I mean, I, I, I will tell you, and I'm not, I, I 100% mean this. I think my practice has the best culture out of any practice in the entire, on the globe. I really do believe that in my heart that we do have the best practice culture. So, um, but that's something that you work on and that you have to keep constantly tending to. But yeah, it's great people. If you can hire great people and you can nurture them and you can believe in them, train them and, and grow them, I think you'll have an awesome practice. Just and it's it's going to be eventually get to the point where my practice is where it just runs itself and I don't mm. have to keep doing everything. I mean, that's the dream, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, Doc, going based off of that, where you uh, you've got the best uh, culture in, in on the globe. Um, what leadership advice would you give to a dentist that uh, has poor team culture in their own practice? Yeah, so so first off, I mean, you cannot be above anyone. You, you are not above anyone. And, and, and I, I was guilty of this right when I graduated. Like, you will call me doctor. I earned this. I'm a doctor. Even though even though all my friends will tell me over and over that I'm not a real doctor. You yeah. know, so, <laughs> so, but, you know, you, you can't lead with that title. You need to be on the same level as everybody. You, you also, a, a big thing is you just got to check in and really develop that relationship of open communication that we are going to openly communicate about we're openly criticize and communicate with each other because we are want to get better. It is not to put each other down. It is to coach and get people better. 
And then also you want to solicit feedback on how you're doing as a leader and how things are going at your practice. And you need to ask, you need to ask often, you need to go and have private one-on-ones and ask how things are going, ask if they like their job, if there's anything they don't like about their job, if there's anything you can do better as a leader and you want to get that feedback. Now, the other part of this that's super important, and this is where everybody screws this up, and this is where this, this poor culture comes from, is when you create an unsafe environment in your practice. Now, what I mean by that is that you create a, a, an environment where people don't want to contribute because they're scared of getting yelled at, they're scared of getting in trouble. People don't want to contribute to a meeting or to collaborating with systems because they don't want to look stupid. Because they, because you, because somehow something has created a culture that makes them feel stupid when they when they contribute, or you have created a culture in which anytime you get any anything that tells you anything, you get very defensive, and and they they don't want to give you any more feedback. So it's very critical that in all all interactions, all interpersonal interactions in your office, that you are very careful in how you react to them and how you are making people feel. Because if you want a collaborative environment where people are trying to grow together and people can coach each other, you also need to be the leader that's okay being coached, but you can't get defensive and you can't make people feel with what's called psychologically unsafe in your practice. So I think that is the hugest thing, the easiest, easiest thing any practice owner could do is just bring everybody one by one into your office, shut the door, and just have a real ass conversation about what's working, what's not, and what they like about their job and what they dislike about it, and then actually doing something about it. So how do you know like when it's the right time to, you know, let somebody go or mm-hmm. how do you go about that? So we we've had to let two people go and we've done it within 3 weeks of the hiring them. So it's I think if you're if you when you when you acquire a practice. Now I did a startup. So when I did my mm-hmm. startup, here's what here's what we're doing. This is the way we're doing things. We grew together as a team. Every time we brought on a new person, they came to a fantastic culture. When you do an acquisition, you come in and you want to change all these things, but you got a team that's been doing things an old way a lot of times. And it's not uncommon to change over that whole entire team. So the right time to let somebody go is, first of all, you have to be very clear on what your vision is for the practice, what you want to be like, what you want to stand for. Project that vision to the team. Communicate it often. Often, just keep telling them, this is what we're about. This is what I want this place to be like. Are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? Can I get some commitment from you guys? And the right time to let someone go is when you when you don't have that commitment. And I know that a lot of uh, new practice owners run into that where they have, it's all, it's some reason it's always the hygienist. I don't know why. It's always a hygienist and they've got so many patients and all the patients are going to leave and they're, they're just, they're not doing what I want to say and they don't want to change. Just, just take that bandaid off quick. Just get rid of it and just move on because it, you, you hear it over and over again. You see it in the, in the dental forums. If you guys are on Facebook, people will talk about, I kept someone so much longer than I should have. And the day I let them go, I felt so good. So right. I have not had to do that yet. The two people that I've let go, it was within three weeks. It wasn't that hard. We weren't very, it wasn't a really long-term relationship and they didn't have a lot of clout in my practice. So it was like everybody, everybody knew it and everyone's like, gosh, I don't know about that girl. She's, I don't think she's going to, I mean, I had an assistant with like three years experience doing sterile without gloves on. Oh, and I'm nice. like, wow. you know, yeah. and like the last straw was, uh, it, so we, we, we had a new assistant come in, interview, 
and I, I liked her. And then right after that interview, I went, I said, I'm going to give this other girl one more procedure to do with me. And she handed me the flowable and I injected it into the tooth and the t- cap wasn't on all the way. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this yet. The cap wasn't on. So the, like half the tube of flowable just went oh, everywhere. <laughs> and I just said, I just said in my mind, I'm like, this is her last that, procedure. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you do something like, um, I think Kara Dent was the one who said she, she does like the three thirty ninety 90 day Mm-hmm. something like that do you do a system like that for uh... I don't. you know I, I, i'm one of those people like i'm like big on systems i'm very big on systems but i am not someone who's going to dig deep into numbers and protocols and and this is what we do at 30 this is what we do at 60 this is what we do at 90 i'm just about feel man you know what's yeah. it feel like is it working or is it not working it's pretty easy to tell what's not working I think if you have, I mean, they have a little bit larger operations as far as like Kira and Mark, mm-hmm. and they're not as present in their their offices all the time, at least all their offices, because they right. got ones that they can't be at. So I think it's good to establish those protocols with, if, if I had my office manager doing all these things, I would love for her to do a 30, 60, and 90 and check in. But for me, it's like, ah, I'm going to check in, and I'm like, oh, you know what, she's been here about, I guess she's been here about a month, you know, I probably check in with her and see how things are going. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, it, I'm not really stuck to those stiff numbers, but it, it's, it, it's important. I mean, it's, it, like, like I said before, it's very important to check in. I mean, that's for sure. And you want to make sure that they're growing and that you're, you're teaching them new skills. That's for sure. All right. So Dr. Ash, what would be the best marketing advice you could give to a new dentist just out of school and owning their own practice? So I would say the best marketing advice, and, and I don't think you guys have ever heard this, is just stop being right. <laughs> you don't need to be right with your patients. It matters so much more to them to be right than it matters to you. And I could tell you, we've got, I, I mean, I think we've got like maybe seven and four, 740 like five-star reviews, and we might have two, maybe three negative reviews, maybe, maybe two. I, I have no idea. But there's a reason for that, and that's because when the ball gets dropped, and it's going to get dropped because we have great systems in our practice, it's going to get dropped. You just take care of the patient. You ask them, what do, what do you think is right? What do you think is fair? Yes, let's do that. And I'm talking about the tune of, and I, I talked about that implant case that I, I put them through. That I am that case, I took the, all those implants out because her tissue just could not heal, and she was upset. And I said, what do you think about me just taking these out? I'll give you a check for $4,500 what you paid for these. She says, I think that's great. And I said, okay, I think that's fair too. Because she, she was nice, but she was just upset. They, they were just really uncomfortable. Now, everyone else is going to say, well, that's my money. I did the work, and it's not my problem. Their tissue sucks. That's what all the dentists say. And they say, and then you get these people on these Facebook forums, and they're, they're asking for advice like, you know, this person didn't want to pay their exam fee for their limited oral evaluation, and that's BS because I can't, I can't control whether their insurance pays for that. It's like, dude, it's 40 bucks. Write it off. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I, I think so. The best, best marketing advice is just when the stuff hits the fan with your patients, just take care of the patients like you would want to be taken care of. Don't worry about what's right or what's wrong because we, we don't have to be right. The patient, the patient doesn't have to necessarily be right, but they have to feel like they are when they leave my practice. So that's my, my best marketing advice because that's where you're going to generate the review. And reviews are more powerful than ever. People want to see reviewed companies, and it helps you rank higher on Google. It gets people talking about you. It gets it where somebody throws out on your local community, like Facebook group, hey, I need a dentist, and you just got people just 
chiming in there like, holy moly, I love this place. Yeah. You can't do that when you're when you create a bunch of pissed off people because their insurance or because see, they had a one year waiting period on crowns and you prepped a crown and told them that their insurance would pay six hundred bucks and then you come back and say, Hey, you know what? They didn't pay anything. You owe me six hundred bucks. I would right. never do that to a patient. I'd be like, Okay, you know what? Wasn't my fault. Wasn't your fault. It's kind of the insurance company's fault, but you know what? It, I gotta. I want to stand behind my company. And I want you to be happy with us. So I'm not gonna expect that money from you. I'll just eat it. Wow. Right, Doctor Ash. I I want you to be my dentist if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only six days a, a month now, man. I'm hard to hard to see. All right, I got a got a book for January. Yeah, let, me, let me book for January. I'll fly up there. How does that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Dr. Etch, uh, what advice would you give to a dentist that is struggling in case acceptance? So I would say the two things that you can do that would really boost your case acceptance, but the low-hanging fruit is going to be just building rapport with your patient, getting to know them on a personal level, asking, doing the small talk before you get into clinical. And when I figured this out, it was like flipping on a light switch of case acceptance. It was just like, wow, because we're taught in dental school to get in there. What's your pain? What's hurting? What is your chief complaint? What are we, what are we going to do? Okay, let's look at this. I want to fix you up. Here's your plan. Are you cool with that? High five. And then you walk out of the room. So you need to get in there and just say, wait, where, where did you, where did you come from today? How far did you come to get here? Okay. Oh, did you grow up around there? Okay. Where'd you grow up at? Okay, cool. It's a, you know, so what do you like to right. do? Like other, like what, what are you into? Like what's coming up in your life that you're excited about? Like in, in my point of my practice, the hygienists, they'll already have this information. So before I go in for a new patient, they're already telling me, Hey, this guy likes to golf. Uh, this guy just went to Vegas. Uh, mm-hmm. they just had a baby. You know, the, 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 she watches her grandkids all the time. I mean, you, you get somebody in their fifties or sixties talking about their grandkids. I mean, holy cow, they can go on forever. Oh yeah, know? for sure. They get the phone out and they show you the pictures and stuff. If you could just build that sort of little relationship and I'm not saying you have to get deep on it, but if you could just do that for like five minutes before you get into asking them about their teeth, that will hugely affect your case acceptance. Yeah. Now, now, the second part of that is asking them what is important to them. What are their goals for their mouth and their smile? And why I want to ask that is I will just, you can't give the same treatment plan to everybody. In dental school, we teach, we're supposed to give the ideal treatment plan to everybody. You know, so, so if you've got a bombed out tooth, you know, it's, it, it might be able to save it with a root canal, post core, and crown, but I mean, do you even really want to save this tooth, or do you want to take it out? Okay, you want to take it out. Is it important to you replace that tooth? No, right. it's not. Okay, well, we're done talking about that. I don't need to talk about implants and all that stuff because you don't really care about your teeth. That's fine with me. That's your mouth. So I, I think asking what's important to them, asking if they want to be, do you want to be more proactive or reactive? That's a conversation I have with a lot of people with a large marginal ridge fractures in their crowns. Hey, you know, this doesn't hurt. I know it doesn't hurt. You've got a really large filling here to look at these cracks here. If we let this break, you know, it could break really unfavorably where it goes into the nerve and we need to do a root canal. It could even break down the root where we have to take the tooth out. But, you know, if we get a crown on it now, we could prevent that from happening. But it's up to you. Some people are more proactive and they want to take care of things before they break. And some people are reactive where they just want to let them break and fix them when they're broken. And that's totally up to you. And I can respect either. Which do you think you are? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so they say, you know what, I don't really, it doesn't hurt and I don't think I need it. Okay, cool. Well, I'll leave it in your treatment plan. At some point we're going to get to it. And I know we're going to do it. And that's totally cool. And I will see you back every six months or whatever. Because if, if, if you, if you don't give them that out, 
you're going to create that situation where they're not going to want to come back because they feel guilty because they didn't do what you said. So right. let them, it's their mouth. I can't care more about your teeth than you do. And I'm not going to because I don't have the problem in my <laughs> mouth. It's in your mouth. It's in your mouth. It's your problem. And I'm going to let it be your problem because I get to sleep at night knowing that I did what I, I explained to you what, what the risks are and whatever you decide to do, it, that's going to be based on your values as a person, as a patient. Right. So do you give your associates any sort of, I don't want to call it like a script, but you know, like uh -huh. some sort of uh, talking points or something like that? Because um, you know, you, you got like find three things in common with your patient, like that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Do you, do you tell your associates to try and help them out? Anything we do. Specific? Yeah, we do have a movement. We would call movement, a move movement sequence, which is our script. And, and it does start off like we want to get three links. We want to get the three links with the patient. We want to ask them about their goals for the mouth. We want to ask them if they're more proactive, reactive. Uh, it looks great on a document. Does it happen in real life? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like anything. I mean, I don't do it. I don't do this every exam. I mean, it's really I, today. I, I just tore my ACL about 10 days ago and oh, I've been, wow. I just came back to work this Monday and my other associate's gone and I was supposed to be, I'm here five days this week. And I'm on crutches, and I'm just my no arms are way. worn out, man. I, I'm it's on crutches too, Doctor. <laughs> are you really? What, what yeah. do you do? I uh, I did a backflip two months ago at the beach, and when I landed, I snapped my ankle, broke my foot. Oh. I've been on crutches for about two months, but yeah, you build really nice triceps. Don't worry, just keep yeah. that. Yeah, hang in there. Yeah, I was playing basketball, and uh, we were just like we were drinking, and like I had a drink in my hand at this party, and the basketball hit, and I I just turned around, I'm like, I'm gonna dunk this bad boy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tore my ACL and I, I asked my orthopedic doctor, I said, I said, Hey man, do you think it's like, I'm so athletic that I pushed it to such the limit that I snapped my ACL. And he goes, I think it's that you're so unathletic that that limit was really low. <laughs> <laughs> if one question though was, what did the dunk look like? Yeah, no, I think in my mind it was, I, I said in my podcast, I said it was a 1020. And then somebody somebody <laughs> wrote to me, didn't you mean 1080? To which I replied, nobody can do a 1080, man. It, it, the last yeah. rotation wasn't complete, you know? <laughs> That's when the ankle went, was it the 1020? Or the, uh, the knee went, was it the 1020? Yeah, no, dude, I'm so kidding myself, man. I wish I wouldn't even, like, I didn't want to play. I just, it was the ball that I to drink out of my hand. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's play basketball. I wasn't even interested in playing, so. It's, it's like a stupid 15 seconds of your life, yeah, right? So dumb, so yeah. dumb. It's yeah, okay. it's, it's cost, I, I can't. I, I so I have no patience tomorrow. Tomorrow we're recording this on a Thursday. I canceled my Friday. I said I can't. Just just wipe it, wipe it clean. I don't want to be here tomorrow. I can't. Yeah. I'm just so like worn out. So, um, what what were we just talking about? <laughs> <laughs> don't you remember? Yeah, it's all good. Got the oh, got the weeds there. That's all right. Good uh, question. We'll, just, we'll start on a fresh question here. <laughs> <laughs> Since we forgot. Um, what would you say is the most, uh, the biggest challenge you've had in your career and what did you do to overcome it and to become successful? Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm, I've always been what's called a, some people call a rat racer where I'm just getting the next goal, getting to the next accomplishment, just want to conquer, 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 conquer. And I think I withheld on my happiness for a very long time thinking that external things were going to bring that to me. So, um, let me unpack that a little bit. So when we, when I had my own practice, I was out of my associateship. I wasn't bouncing between two practices anymore. We were maybe two and a half years into my practice. I was making maybe 200K more than what my number was that I only, I was like, man, if I could just make this as a dentist, I'd be great. I was making an extra 200K more than that. 
had the car, had the wife, had the kid, and I was just kind of in a dark place. Like, well, wow, I, I checked every box, and is this it? Like, is this it? Is this all it was? And I was just really unhappy, and I went through like a kind of a dark period for a good six months of where I had to really like re-ment- like refocus my mental energy and I had to learn the hard way from experience that those things would never have the potential to bring me happiness. So no matter, no matter, no retirement, no amount of practice income, no amount of vacation homes, nice cars, big houses is ever going to bring you happiness. You would be exactly as happy as before you started. So I, I've learned, I've had to train myself just to learn to enjoy solving the problems, enjoy the journey, enjoying getting through and just going to the next goal because I always want to grow, but not thinking that that next goal is going to bring me any more level of happiness and, and that there's no end to the race. I mean, I, 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 I spent a long time like really just counting, counting beans and just saying, man, I want to, I want to retire. When can I retire? I want to retire early. I don't know. What are you going to do? I don't know, but I ain't going to work. And I don't want to retire early. What the heck am I going to do? I'm going to be bored out of my mind. I mean, I I been laying in bed for like the last 10 days. This sucks. You know, (laughs) all I want to do is get down on my computer and sit down and like, just maybe like do some like productive work but then the longer i sit up i gotta go put my elevate my leg because my foot gets huge <laughs> yeah. so yeah i, I want to stay busy so but it, it, it was i had to learn that the hard way that that's so not that i'm saying you shouldn't rush into these goals and you shouldn't be like i'm not saying that you shouldn't like really hurry towards them but i think you need to slow down and just enjoy the journey and just and just say hey this is fun i'm progressing i'm growing but not be so held on to getting to that goal so fast at the expense of the relationships in your life. Because my my oldest daughter, she's eight now. I really missed probably a lot of those first three years when we were doing the startup at my practice. And that was just me saying, oh, well, once I get this system, uh, once I get this marketing piece, uh, once I get this all straightened out, when we get this training done, once we do this, oh, then I can kind of chill out and then I can chill out. The thing is you will never chill out. If you're like me, you just can't chill. You're just always going to be coming up with something else to do. So uh, I have to be really intentional about my time now. So that would be, uh, that was my, uh, I guess that was, I hope that answered the question, but that yeah, was, the, yeah, that was my sure. hardest part of my career. So that kind of brings us to like to the next point. So what do you see yourself like being successful? What, what does success mean to you? And at what point do you, because you just said like you, you, you saw yourself being successful back then, but now you realize like that's not really true success to you. Yeah. What do you kind of, what's your ideal now? So my ideal now is to do things that give me energy and just to kind of make sure that I'm always doing things that I enjoy. I want to be an awesome, I got two daughters, I want to be an awesome dad and uh, I want to be a great husband to my wife and I want to just be able to spend time and create memories and take time off from the practice and just take a lot of vacations. Now that sounds great. Everyone's sitting there like, oh my gosh, he's so sweet. I, 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 I wish my boyfriend or my husband was like that. Dude, it, it, but in re- real practice, I mean, I, I, one of the things I will always be real and authentic with you, I struggle. I really struggle with having time for the relationships. I'm not saying I have bad relationships, but I know that I tend to gravitate more towards pr- my profession and my work than I do through the to the things that probably should matter more than that to me. But it's just, I'm just so, I just love what I do. I love the dentistry. I love sharing things. I love being, I want to be an opinion leader. I want to help people. 
And that just like really gets me up in the morning. And sometimes uh, I have to really step back and say, you know what? I was getting really, I'm getting really out of balance. I need to recalibrate. And, um, and that's what it's important to take those vacations with your family and, and make memories. Cause you know, every time we, 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 we always book these things. And right. sometimes I think about, it, I say, Oh my gosh, how am I going to shut off for 10 days? I, I got so many things going on. You get like three days ended and you're just like, I don't ever want to go back to the practice ever again. This is awesome. So you gotta, you gotta schedule those things. You gotta be intentional about it. And, and when you're really busy, it's tough. So um, yeah, I work six clinical days a month. Am I busy as hell? Yeah, I am so freaking busy. But uh, it's it's just all the other things I'm doing. But yeah, so success for me would be those three things. Be a great husband, be a great father, and just to contribute something lasting to our profession. Because I think dentistry is awesome, man. And right. I just, it just, I just want to just take a handful of dirt and shove it in someone's mouth when they say it sucks and they just cry. <laughs> about it. There's so many crybabies out there. And there's so many crybabies that are opinion leaders and i just can't stand it mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's awesome that that's really like see i think we're all kind of like at the point where we are kind of thinking the same terms that you were originally so we're thinking okay mm-hmm. if we get to this uh, production level this sort of thing we own this practice or this many practices something like that but i i guess it's like you said earlier you, you really got to fail enough first so that mm-hmm. you really you come to the realization of what you want i guess yeah, and, and you'll see, man. I mean, I mean we're going to have great incomes, and you guys will too because you actually care about getting better at it. You have great income as a dentist. I mean, you can literally I – mean, you can buy anything you want, man. I mean, it's, it's almost – it will get to a point where it's like unlimited, but it's just – you're like, okay, well, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, whatever. You know, it's, it's still the same old shit. It's always the same stuff. So, yeah, don't ever count on that to bring you happiness. It's got to be the relationships in your life. Right. Wow. So, Dr. Ash, I'm sure like, you know, somebody as successful as you and everything and you're very dedicated to your craft. I'm sure you do a lot of reading like books, podcasts, stuff like that. Do you have any that stick out that you want to recommend to us? And it doesn't have to be completely dentistry related. Anything yeah. that you, you're, you're into right now? Yeah. So, you know, I would say that I talked about those seven figure dentists. OK. And I talked about taking CE. They are also the people that read just they read. They're not binge watching Netflix. They're and, and nothing wrong with that because I get in that sometimes too. And I actually have a show I want to watch on Netflix right now, and I'm scared to start it because I know it's just going to take over what my is life. It? I want to watch the third season of Thirteen Reasons Why. Oh man! So so I, I I'm scared to start it because I know it's going to like just it's it's going to be all I'm going to do. And it keeps me from reading, and I like reading. But yeah, so uh, books. So I would say the three most important business books for you to read is is going to be one it's going to be the e-myth by michael michael gerber it's a great business book that is like the bible that's what everybody always says the mm-hmm. second one is going to be making money is killing your business okay and and that is a good one to just to kind of show you that when you are working on the day to day the tyranny of the things that will land on your lap as a practice owner you will never get to the you will never finish those things so that you can work on the business and work on getting yourself out of the business. And when I mean mm-hmm. out of the business, I'm meaning so that you're not doing the day-to-day functions. You will find so many practice owners that are doing their own payroll, they're doing all their bone bookkeeping, accounting, they're doing all their HR stuff, they're scanning invoices, they're opening their own mail. I mean, dude, don't just stop that. You, right. you know, so that book's good in that regard. It just it's a, it's a delegation book. There's a third one and it's called Clockwork. And that talks about the queen bee. The queen bee in the hive makes the babies. That's all she does. She doesn't protect the hive. She doesn't build the hive. She doesn't feed anyone. She makes the stinking babies. So you need to find out what your making babies is at the practice. 
and what your queen bee role is and whatever that is, you need to take, figure out a way that everything that keeps you from doing that, you need to delegate that to other people. And that's how you really start increasing your income and your value is when you stop doing those lower value procedures, not procedures, I mean procedures, but lower value tasks, I right. guess, so to speak. So those are my three favorite business books. But man, I mean, if you said another one to me, I'd be like, oh yeah, that one's good too. Because there's just so much good stuff out mm-hmm. there, man. And it, and it just helps to... It just helps to read it. I, there's a guy, uh, oh, what's his name? James Altisher. He talks about idea sex. That if you if you don't get new ideas, you're you're, you're just kind of you have these incest ideas. You need to bring up these new ideas. They need to get in your brain, bounce around with your, mingle with your existing ideas, and they have sex and they have idea babies, and that's how you think of these great things, and and that's how you figure out direction in your life and stuff. And I, I think it's so true. You've got to hear what other people are doing and hear new ideas that you've never heard before. And there's there's just so much knowledge to be gained by reading books. So yeah, right. read books. So. You forgot to plug the uh, the most important book, Dental Practice Heroes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, my book too. My book is fantastic. I put my heart and soul into it. I've got good <laughs> feedback about it. Mine is very specific to leadership culture and all the systems in my practice, and I think mine is a great one. But I, I can't plug my own book. I had you guys had it's okay. It, so it's I, okay. We got you. you. <laughs> we got you. So where where can our listeners uh, get your book? So it's on Amazon. It's uh, it's on Audible. And it's also on Kindle, but I think you can get all three of those through Amazon. So right. if you want the paperback or you want the Audible or the Kindle version, it's all available on there. And leave me a review. I love the reviews. I, I just <laughs> I see how many books I've sold, and then I see how many reviews. I got a lot of reviews, but I see how many books have sold, and I see how many books that have been reviewed. And I really wish more people would write me a review. So if you've read it and you like the book, please write a review. Right. Okay. How about a uh, podcast now? Podcast, Dental Practice Heroes. So anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, uh, you know, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, like that sort of stuff. It's Dental Practice Heroes Podcast. All right. And any pod, other podcasts you would recommend? Oh, man. I, I, I bounce around and, and I, go through a pro, I go through stages of let's listen to dental podcasts. And then I go through a stage where I can't stand to listen to anything dental. Um, I, I would say a non-dental podcast is a school of greatness with Lewis Howes. I really like his mm-hmm. mentality and his success uh, mantra. And I just think he's a really good interviewer and he gets really vulnerable and really real with a lot of his guests. And I, I really do appreciate what he puts out. Awesome. And we're looking at uh, your book right now on Amazon, five stars. Well done. Yeah, I got one four star from some guy who said I didn't perfect my tone. I don't uh, know. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That's yeah, nitpicking at that point. Whatever, guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, Dr. Etch. Uh, other than, you know, getting off the crutches, what are your plans for the future? So what I want to do for my future. So we just expanded from 5 to 11 ops about a year ago. Uh, I want to get my practice to about maybe $6 million in collections a year. That is my goal. And I think we can get there within probably a year and a half to two years from now. That's, it's mind blowing. That just sounds mind blowing. It's, it, it's crazy. Like when we look at, like we do a thing at the our end of your Christmas party where I, I give away prizes. I say, how many, 
how many class two restorations do you guys think we did this year? And I don't even know what it was, but it's just something. It just blows your mind. It's like, wow. But I, I want to get up to $6 million. I, I think I might start getting into coaching because I feel like I do that with a lot of my listeners, but I don't get paid for it. Right. So I'm thinking I might start doing that. You know, we, me and another Dr. Justin Bullar, we just released an online kind of academy and it's called Dental Business Mentor. So dentalbusinessmentor.com. Okay. And we just started doing that, and it was. I, I just think I want to start getting more into speaking. Um, just keep growing the practice. I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what my long term plan is. Sometimes I say I'm gonna sell the practice within five years. Sometimes I say I'll start selling equity portions to my associates and just keep like a management fee. I, who knows? You know, it's, I'm all over the place. I, I do want to write another book, and I actually started it, and I'm four chapters in. And my knee surgery is in about eight days, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I got to figure it out. I got the, I got my, my wife. She's my wife's like literally like 95 pounds, so she can't carry heavy things, but she's carrying. I told her, I said, you got to get this TV from the basement, and I got a stand for it, and we're gonna put it. We got this Tempur-Pedic bed in our guest room, and it can elevate my legs, and it can lean back, and I want to use the TV as a monitor. I'm gonna get the cordless. I'm gonna get all set up. So I can elevate and just pound out this book in the next few weeks because yeah. I, I'm going to be sitting on my butt and I sure as shit don't want to watch a bunch of TV and you can only read so many books. So I, yeah. I plan on doing that. So I want to get another book out and I'm, I'm writing this book with the intention of, um, I don't want to go down too deep of a rabbit hole, but I, I really believe that to run an awesome practice, you need to get yourself down to three days clinical. I think that's so critical. And the reason I think that is, is it's because you can produce the same that you do in four and five days, you can do it in three days. And when you do three days clinical, you will have the time and energy to work on the things that it's going to take to grow your practice. And you're, you'll, you'll do it. Whereas if you're working four or five days a week clinical, you're just not going to do that. You're not going to see the growth that you want. So that's what the kind of the synopsis and the uh, that's what my book's going to be about. Right. When and you're honestly, you're the perfect example, right? You You can actually say you've done it. So yeah. that's the kind of people, you know, there's, there's people out there that they say to do one thing, but they haven't actually done it themselves and you've done it. So I think that's, yeah. that's an awesome thing that you're writing about. Thank you. So awesome, awesome stuff. Well, Dr. Etch, what a, an incredible interview with you. Honestly, we've Thank got you. so much respect for you. You're a beast and you're killing it. We really appreciate you. I'm talking up with like us. 10 IQ points right now. <laughs> hour, so. But thanks, man. You guys are really good interviewers. It was really easy to talk to you guys. And it's, it's, I'm happy that you had me and I had a good time. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, Dr. Etch. Well, thanks a lot for speaking with us. Uh, where can our listeners find you on Instagram and social media? Yeah, so Instagram is going to be uh, dentalpracticeheroes.podcast. And on my, I have another Instagram, which is Dr. Paul Etchison. I'm currently trying to brand myself as the premier cosmetic dentist in the Chicago area. So if you want to watch that journey, that could be a total train wreck or that could be something where you saw it start. So I'm trying to grow followers on there and just trying to get more cosmetic work out of Instagram. Uh, Facebook, Paul Etchison. I kind of keep it private now on Facebook. I actually went through my Facebook recently and unfriended maybe about 500 people. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> somebody writes something weird about one of my daughters. And I'm like, who is this? Oh, and, I, and then I'm looking at it. I'm like, this guy's not even a dentist. And I'm like, I got to stop approving everybody. So so if you're friends with me on Facebook at some point and we're not friends anymore, I'm really sorry. I just I, I, <laughs> I, I, I had to get rid of everybody. Yeah, I'm like, clean I'm like, the house. Yeah. I'm like, gosh, it, yeah. So I cleaned house. So, But, yeah, you can uh, – and then if you want to reach out to me via email it's dentalpracticeheroes at gmail.com awesome all right dr etch thanks so much for being on 
Thank you yeah, so much. Thank you for this having me. Truly awesome. Awesome. All right. Take care. And that was part two with our guest, Dr. Etchison. We hope you all enjoyed. As always, hit that subscribe button and follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. And we would absolutely appreciate it if you guys left a comment, left a rating on our pod, on your podcast app. We, we read every single comment and we always respond to any messages. So give us a shout out, whatever you'd like. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>